Japan by River Cruise is made possible thanks to those who donate to the show at japanbyrivercruise.com and due to the generosity of our corporate sponsors. This is a message from the Japan Professional Sports Association. To all of our non-Japanese friends living or traveling in Japan, we know how much you enjoy going to Japanese baseball games and eating while baseball happens. But did you know we also have other professional sports leagues for you to enjoy? Like soccer, rugby, and basketball. Come on out and watch a game. True, our players occasionally lose their exhibition games against high schoolers, but they also don't earn quite enough money to make their car payments. So shut up, have fun, and buy a jersey or something. Jeez! Aside from rooting for the home team, there are plenty of ways for a non-Japanese spectator to enjoy our games. For example, you could yell approximations of the local fight songs, try to guess whether or not the cheerleaders get paid, make awkward eye contact with the Gaikokujin team members, or get interviewed by the local news, again! Plus, you don't have to worry about COVID-19. We've been keeping our stadiums at less than half capacity since way before the pandemic. Support the Japanese Professional Sports Association and enjoy sports! It's not like you could do any better. Hello, Brian, and welcome back to Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo. And I'm Ali Horn. And joining us this week is Yan Fan, co-creator of Speak Her and co-founder as well as CTO of Code Chrysalis. We've been following Yan ever since she co-founded the first cloud-based riverboat as a service. Yan, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. On this week's show, we'll talk to Yan about the systemic issues that necessitated Speak Her, a service that makes it easier to hire a woman to speak. And we'll ask about its reception in Japan, a country that's traditionally more comfortable with the opposite service found in hostess clubs, where you pay a woman to listen. Plus, Ali's got your weekly river cruise recommendation. Ali? Yes, this week's recommendation is Chiba's newly opened all-you-can-eat soup river cruise dining experience. Guests can sample as many soups, broths, and gazpachos as they like during the 90-minute sailing. Word of warning, though, arrive at the buffet stand early if the waters are choppy, as I made the mistake of going last, and all that was left was the more viscous soups, like goulash and chowder. All the good stuff was on deck. Also, later in the show, while the Japanese government looks to incorporate GPS tracking into its new post-COVID tourism initiatives, one river cruise provider is anticipating the backlash by turning all of its cruise ships into floating Faraday cages. But first, Soap Talk. Yan, you run a boot camp in Tokyo that helps retrain people to become software engineers. I have two questions. One, is it really possible to become a developer in only a few months? And two, should Bobby consider this when he's no longer good looking enough to be a model? Yes, yeah. Should I consider this five years ago? <laughs> yeah, I run a coding boot camp called Code Chrysalis. And yes, indeed, it is possible to become uh, a software engineer after doing our course, even though our course is three months, there's a lot of prep that's required. Um, mm. So if you're ever interested, uh, you actually need to know how to code before you enter. Genius um, business model. Because then at the end, you can go, <laughs> hey, you can code. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, our program is only three months, right? So oftentimes people are like, how can you create software engineers in just three months? And mm. um, and the the truth is you can't. Right. So basically what we do is whatever we think students can't learn on their own or would have a harder time learning on their own, um, we focus our boot camp on that. 
And then anything that we feel like students can learn by themselves, um, that there's a lot of free materials out there that they can do with very little instructor intervention, we have them do that. It does sound like hard work. Yeah. So if you require people to know how to code before they join your boot camp, what do you focus on in the boot camp that's the selling point of Code Chrysalis? Yeah, I think uh, in layman's terms, a good way to think about it is like if you become an accountant, if you want to become an accountant, you know, you need to know math and whatnot. But then there's all these rules and regulations and using spreadsheets and all of that stuff that you need to know how to do, mm. working with customers and all of that. So um, I think that's a maybe a good analogy for, for our boot camp. Um, during the course, we're focusing on some more, much more advanced topics. Yeah. Um, and then also things like teamwork, communication, how to be an effective software engineer, things that help with career longevity. So, you know, just because you know how to code doesn't necessarily mean you can connect it to business impact or work well with others. And so yeah. um, that's, that's really, it's sort of like finishing school. Yeah. yeah, there really is a sense that learning on your own, there's only so far you can get. I learned a little bit of HTML and then tried to build my own website and it looked like shit. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot more to it. And so uh, we, we want to make sure that people can, you know, come in with some skills already so that we can just spend the entire three months sprinting. Oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> I hope you mean figuratively. Um, although I'm sure that's a trend in Silicon Valley now people like running while coding somehow you know speaking into their voice assistant yeah first it was standing desks and then it's they actually do have treadmill desks i oh. believe yeah oh my goodness i wonder what is next maybe swimming pools maybe yeah apple needs to come out with that so is there a large demand right now for for retraining for people who want to become software engineers yeah, huge. And actually something that we don't really um, publicize as much, we also work with companies. Uh, mm. So large companies actually come and hire us to help with uh, retraining or onboarding or reskilling their their teams. And we actually work with pretty big companies. So One thing that I hear about working at a Japanese company in general is a lot of times Japanese companies are famous for hiring people and not expecting them to know how to do their job. Like instead of hiring somebody who can already do the job that you want to hire for, you hire someone and then train them. Is that what you're doing with these companies on a developing front? So these, so I think these companies, ones that come to us are realizing that that's maybe not, a, not the best sort of model um, because you have uh, basically like a big population of workers who aren't properly trained for a job that does need very specified training. You're saying that so nicely, like like it, they shouldn't have already realized that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's, it's so kind about it. I think there are also benefits like as a, you know, trying to look at it through a Japanese company's lens. I can also see a lot of benefit with that. Right. If you have people rotating through several positions, mm -hmm. it might increase, for example, collaboration and understanding between teams. Um, and I think that's that was something that they really um, that that's been a big benefit. Um, companies might train their developers, but they're not in the business of training. So it's just never very, it's never very thorough. Something which Rochelle Kopp said, which I thought was very enlightening, was that the corollary of having people come into the company with no skills is that sometimes they're promoted to management positions with no skills. And so all of a sudden you might have someone that just because they've been in the company for 25 years, they're now head of IT, but don't know where to switch a computer on. And so all of the kind of important strategic decisions 
uh, are made by someone that hasn't got a clue. And that then filters down. So there isn't this this idea that within the company, people can upskill and retrain and work with the latest frameworks, the latest technology. Do you think that there are individuals in Japan who maybe feel let down by their companies who rely on services like you? to upskill and make make a switch. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and also we see that in the government, right? Yeah. Um, where people are, politicians are being put in posts that they are thoroughly under, you know, underskilled for. Um, yeah, we definitely see that. I mean, it's a, it's sort of a, a weird systemic issue here um, where uh, a lot of big companies, they, they sort of outsource a lot of their IT solutions to what are called system integrators. And I didn't know what system integrators were before I came here. Um, system integrators are very Japan specific and they're, they're large companies that handle this. Uh, but they basically handle all of the IT stuff for another company. Mm. Um, and the problem with system integrators in Japan is that like when you hire a system integrator, that system integrator hires smaller system integrators. So what ends up happening is you have layers of these like subcontractors right? Handling um, everything from like setting up your email systems and servers to like managing, you know, your apps, if you have one developing for you. And so you, know, you can imagine with like the layers of subcontractors, yeah. moving is so slow. Slow right? and expensive, mm. I assume as well. Very, yeah. And so we're trying to get companies to to bring a lot of their engineering in-house because I think we're at a point where, you know, if you're building an app or building some kind of um, software service for clients, you can't rely on like this web of subcontractors because you need to be able to rea react and respond in, in a timely manner. Did you hear that, Bobby? If ever we're making a Japan by River Cruise app, it's happening in-house. You better sign up. <laughs> yeah, Bobby, you got to learn how to code. I don't know. Subcontracting to a web of smaller coders is how they managed to uh, shut down America in Die Hard 4. So I was under the impression that it was a very successful strategy. Well, talking of subcontracting decision making, you might remember last week I asked our dear listeners what I should do with the Japanese roommate that I've now been living with for over six weeks and still haven't revealed that I can speak Japanese, even at moments when I definitely should have done. And Sean tweeted us to say um, that I should set it up such that me and the roomie get a shock or collide with each other. Then suddenly I start speaking. <laughs> Like a Freaky Friday thing. Yeah, we've introduced a level of, of physicality. I wonder where this should happen. Um, but also, I like the fact that Sean doesn't have much uh, faith in my Japanese ability, because he also said the word for miracle is uh, kiseki, and he writes that out in uh, hiragana for me too. Uh, so I'm not sure how Sean imagines <laughs> this, that that, that I, I, I make this moment happen, uh, but then I don't know that I don't have the Japanese to pull it off convincingly. So I'm just bumping into a roommate and just saying sumimasen for no good reason. Uh, but anyway, thanks for your input, Sean. I'm not going to implement this yet if anyone else has any better ideas or uh, any ways in which we can improve the miracle in the hallway uh, then please let us know either at jbrc pod or on our website which is japan by rivercruise.com or uh, through our app which bobby will have coded by next week it'll be done <laughs> shall we take a look at the news
Bobby Judo, what's in the news this week? Well, we've been seeing a lot of discouraging news about the state of gender equality in Japan lately. Uh, Abe's womenomics has left women worse off than they were before. Suga's cabinet is basically the Japanese Friars Club, um, etc., etc. But we were glad to see that Yan and her collaborators have created some positive news on this front. Yan, can you tell us what is Speaker and how did it come about? Yeah, Speaker uh, is a it's a simple database of women experts in Japan who are available to speak at events, panels, conferences. Um, we basically wanted to get rid of the excuse of um, having manals, right? Male, all male panels. And the, the excuse is usually like, we just couldn't find another woman. So we just had all men. These were the only people that we could find. And so we, we wanted to not just remove that excuse, but also help women identify these women and other everyone identify these these statements as excuses it is a pretty ridiculous excuse though like we just couldn't find any like we looked in every single men's room and we couldn't find a single woman (laughs) exactly so your service is essentially you list a series of female speakers who are available to be booked uh for events and they're listed according to category what they can talk about what their expertise are and uh firstly i admire your optimism that you've launched a service to find speakers for events when events literally can't happen right now uh, but i'm sure that there's uh, i'm sure there's a lot to be done uh, kind of behind the scenes to make sure that you're getting a, the full breadth of women that could appear on the platform encouraging people to join uh, persuading people that this is the right place for them i noticed on your website on your frequently asked questions you mentioned that often it just takes a bit of confidence to persuade someone that they're right for this kind of thing can you maybe talk about what you're doing behind the scenes to get this platform ready for launch yeah, a lot of outreach. Uh, we're, we're focusing on trying to just find as many female experts, uh, women experts, and also empower women to see themselves as experts, right? Mm. Uh, a lot of times, I think, especially in Japan, there's this idea of like, oh, I'm not, if, if I'm not an expert, I shouldn't be sharing my knowledge. But um, we really want women to realize that the knowledge that they have, they, they should share it. It's knowledge that someone else can probably benefit from. Plus, the fact that it's them sharing it provides extra value. Exactly, yeah. Um, so uh, we've been doing a lot of outreach, social media, um, like press. Thank you so much. Um, we're trying to ramp up uh, a lot of stuff. There's also this started out as a side project. So there were a lot of things we didn't really think through. <laughs> we were just, you know, playing around with these technologies. And so now that people are actually using it, um, we've realized that there's a lot of improvements that can be made. Uh, so now we have a little team of volunteers that are help- that that's helping us out. Um, and so there's all this organization that needs to happen. Um, and then also it just so happens that the three, um, the three of us, so Tucci, Anne, and I, um, that started this project, none of us are Japanese. Mm. So we've also been trying to find, um, allies, uh, you know, people, Japanese people who really believe in this and can help us spread the message even more. Did you, did the three of you have any specific experiences in Japan? Like, did you attend a conference and, and, and see that it was all male or did you find that there was a lack of representation uh, in your professional life that made you feel that this was necessary, especially in Japan? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, even though speaker is not tech based, I mean, I, as women, all of us are women in tech. Um, and especially Tucci and, and Anne are, are very senior in their, in their careers. Um, 
I think all of us have faced some kind of discrimination or or even just like a lot of microaggressions. Um, and since also the three of us are from um, are, are foreigners coming from outside of Japan, I think mm. living in Japan, we've really felt the difference. Um, and and this was our sort of solution, our little solution to tackling this systemic problem. Although your platform is not specifically focused on tech, I think it makes sense to start in tech because certainly my experience of startup culture in Tokyo and in the rest of Japan is that it does borrow a lot from the culture of Silicon Valley and other tech hubs. And I think particularly in Silicon Valley in the last five, ten years, there's been a huge push to make sure that women are more represented. You know, I can think of the uh, Sheryl Sandberg book, Lean In, which had a really big impact on making sure that people were proactive and making sure that women were welcome in certain spaces and there I mean that is to say you know I was in San Francisco two years ago and did attend my fair share of male panels and actually at one point did pluck up the courage to literally ask a question uh, are all the women stuck in traffic and it got a laugh but it didn't get a response um, but do, do, do you think that that tech uh, with its kind of slightly more liberal bent I guess and, and the fact that there are a lot of people around the world or rather the trendsetters in tech uh, have put a lot of work into making it a more welcoming and equal place to work uh, do you think that there's a chance that if you do well in tech in Japan, that could seep over into other industries? Absolutely. Uh, tech is incredibly influential, right? It runs our world. It runs our, we, we can't survive without tech now. Um, and so because of its ubiquity, because of how widespread it is, um, there's also a lot of opportunity for us to screw things up, right? Mm. Um, so uh, we want to make sure that the creators of these technologies that we're using are, are more reflective of what society looks like. Mm. Um, great example, I have so many examples of like what happens when um, the developers or the creators of something don't realize, like don't take into account other people. And, and again, like none of this stuff, I, people don't, actively like teams aren't actively going like let's make a really discriminatory app right like that doesn't happen it's usually just like big oversights mm. um uh so you know ai and machine learning great examples um you know in the u.s like a lot of like the facial recognition stuff is is not great when it comes to non-white male faces right and yeah. so that ends up um causing a lot of issues especially in the black community where like the fbi or the police are using like these facial recognition apps that that get that can't tell the difference between two black guys right yeah. um and it ends up causing numerous issues um i i just have like tons and tons of examples of just like these crazy oversights that mm. really should not be happening. And I think by diversifying the teams that make these products, I think we can at least sort of um, not foolproof, but at least provide some more layers of checking, mm. right? Well, you mentioned the issue of representation. Uh, we spoke with Derek Westman a few weeks back about uh, Suga's new cabinet and how there were there were only two women and like 50 old guys. And one of the things that he said was that it was a problem of the numbers, that they had to pick from people who were in the LDP and there weren't that many women in the LDP. And you mentioned just a second ago that when you approach these speakers that you want to present as experts, there's a confidence issue. I'm wondering if there's sort of like a chicken and egg situation going on here where you don't have as many numbers to choose from because there's a social element where women might not feel as comfortable standing up and, and saying, I'm an expert. 
whereas men find it very easy to stand up and declare themselves an expert. Yeah, it's a huge issue. Um, I think there's just so much societal conditioning that happens that um, from, you know, a a very young age, I think women are sort of conditioned to to have a bit lower of a confidence level. Right. Um, And we see this in education. Right. Um, In in schools, uh, people who, uh, you know, score on tests the men always have a bit higher of a confidence, you know, give themselves a a more confident rating, Mm. um, but score lower on tests than the women who gave themselves a much lower confidence score, but actually did well. I am Um, not that smart, but I feel very good about it. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It it is a really difficult issue. And um, it's something that speaker is trying to just be one small piece of the solution. And mm-hmm. we're doing this by um, encouraging first-time speakers to put their names on there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also working on um, talking, talking mostly, but uh, planning to work on some things to uh, provide like public public speaking training um, and, and whatnot to, to women. Uh, but I think mostly what's been useful is because of speaker, it's really pushed people to like identify and actively pursue and like poke at their women friends who they they think would be great speakers. And so I think it's just getting that conversation going. We've mm-hmm. had a lot of women um, get contacted and they were like, man, I, I don't know if I'm a fit for this, but my friend said that I should sign up. Like I've never given a talk. Yeah, you, you just can't imagine a man saying that, can you? Like, yeah, my yeah. my bro said that I. He's like, hey, sign me up. Like, but, but you know, but we found this even with our podcasts, right? Like we've had, we've never had one woman come forward to ask to be a guest on the show, but we've had plenty of men. I used to run an open mic in Fukuoka. We'd have like maybe one female volunteer for every nine male. And like, maybe it's the case that people just don't want to be on my podcast or don't want to be on my shows. <laughs> but, uh, but I do wonder whether there's, you know, there's, there's a trend. I have a, a female friend uh, who runs startup mentoring events and they find overwhelmingly that men volunteer themselves, particularly when there's a big page where they can put their profile picture. Whereas women in general need to be persuaded, but often once they're there, provide the biggest value. So do you reckon that it's not just about creating this list and saying to people, hey, look, you've no longer got an excuse to not be lazy here's your list of women but also making sure that the women who would be uh, able to do these roles uh, have the have the same confidence to just go hey sign me up yeah absolutely um i i hope that this list gets people thinking well again it's this feedback cycle where one of the reasons i think men feel more comfortable standing up and presenting themselves is because they're so used to seeing men who look like them standing up and presenting themselves and so i guess the hope with speaker is that if more women see women being represented see women speaking then they'll go oh that's a place where i can be active too. Absolutely. I know this to be true from personal experience that I know there is an abundance of men that look and sound like me in stand-up comedy but that doesn't change the fact that I at one point had to decide I wanted to get into it and I did not think that I could. I did not think that it was a world which I could belong in until I went to a stand-up comedy club and saw someone of a similar age talking about things that I can relate to and not just an old guy on TV talking about his wife which is what I thought stand-up comedy was. So I know from my personal experience that it does take someone that looks a bit like you or sounds a bit like you and has the same experiences to have that feeling of wanting to belong. I can I can do this too, yeah. So how has the response been from the target users so far? I mean, you want people in Japan to use this service to book 
ja- uh, female speakers for events in Japan. How has Japan responded to this so far? Uh, so far, we're really lucky to say, or really happy to say, that um, the response has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, especially, I think, hearing from Japanese women and men as well that this is incredibly necessary and that they're really happy to see this. Um, and that's great to hear because, you know, at the core, this is a really simple idea. You know, like it's, 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 we're really just like, it's a fancy list of names. You know, that's really all that it is. Isn't that a shame that this is newsworthy, right? Like some people think that women should talk and that's enough, that's enough to warrant a whole episode of of, of our podcast. Yeah. I mean, we were on the front page of the Japan Times for like a a hot minute. Yeah. And I was just thinking like, wow, this is, you know, this is great. But also that's the state of gender equality in this country. Well, when you're used to a certain standard of representation, it can be difficult, even if you consider yourself an ally, it can be difficult to recognize it. And I think Ali and I both have produced shows. We both uh, try to be very, very conscientious on this podcast of like not booking another white guy every week because we've already got two of them. But, But I think like for me personally, if I were to go to a conference and there were three male speakers at the end of the conference, if you were to be like, there were no women, I would be like, oh, oh, right. I might not have noticed that on my own. Like if I can make an analogy, it's like if you go to an izakaya with Ali and let him order, then when the food comes, you'll be like, Ali, all of this is fried meat and there are no vegetables. And it's not until somebody else points it out that the patterns that you take for granted reveal themselves as patterns. And, you know, it's not just men, women as well. You know, sometimes we'll point out like that was an all male panel. And then, you know, women will be like, oh, yeah, I didn't realize that. You know, so so even to women, I think we're really we're really conditioned to to um, take a lot of the things that we see as as that's just how it is. In the time that I spent in the startup world, I generally found conferences to be insufferable. And the few times which I spoke, I thought this would have just been better as a blog post. And the few times I attended, I thought this is a colossal waste <laughs> of money. And, you know, the best conversations happen elsewhere, right? Um, so on the one hand, maybe we should just do away with conferences altogether. I think they're crap. Uh, but could you maybe talk about the fact that if conferences are here to stay, what are the benefits uh, that women are missing out on by not being asked to speak? Often for free, by the way. Oh, I mean, I think conferences can be insufferable because everyone's saying the same thing, right? And I think we really do need to introduce different opinions, you know, not be in our own echo chambers um, and ha- and get back to having civilized, you know, differences in opinions and things like that. Um, I think, uh, you know, ways to make conferences better is just to make them more inclusive, because I would love to hear how, uh, you know, certain people might certain people that you wouldn't think about talking about an experience using an app or creating, you know, a company. Um, That's that's the kind of stuff that I want to see as well. Um, Hearing more. Yeah, just hearing more perspectives, you know. Everyone loves a good story. So why not just increase the pool of stories that we're getting? I completely agree that having people with different perspectives makes it worthwhile. I also think there can be improvements uh, made to the catering more generally. I think more fried food, but maybe that's a discussion for a different episode. Uh, what are the benefits for an individual for having that platform? Yeah, well, conferences and panels really provide a platform to share experiences and perspectives, right? 
And I think when you limit the range of perspectives, you're limiting the quality of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And so for an individual, it's really making sure that people feel entitled and empowered to share their potentially minority opinion, right? Um, because ultimately you're making the conversation better, you're making mm -hmm. the product better, you're making the service better. Um, I think, yeah, it's, it helps society move forward better. Yeah, I think having a range of different perspectives definitely does increase the quality of the conversation. And one of the reasons that I was excited to see Speaker, the database being introduced, was because I thought we could use it to source guests for this podcast. And <laughs> to that end, if you wouldn't mind a quick request, is there any way you could just uh, add an option where we can sort speakers by people who are willing to do it for free? Hey, thanks very much for listening to this episode 55 of Japan by River Cruise. Thanks very much to those who support the show at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Japan by River Cruise. If you like what we do and you want to let us know, the best way to do so is to buy us a coffee. We appreciate every single one. Thank you to our guest this week, Yan Fan. If you think you know somebody who should be in the Speak Her database or you'd like to be on it, you can go to speakher.jp. And if you're a Brian who's considering a career change, maybe think about coding. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, you two. It's been really fun and a pleasure. Um, and thank you for giving us your platform to talk about Speaker. Um, and uh, yeah, for everyone, I want to offer 5% off our intro course. Um, but you have to sign up before the end of the year. So this is only valid for the rest of 2020 because this has been a pretty crap year. So we think yeah. maybe... 5% discount might sweeten sweeten things a little bit for people. That's brilliant. We're definitely going to get this app done now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bobby, I hope to see your application come in tomorrow. Well, I've got a, you said it's valid until 2020, right? And the way 2020 yeah, through been going so far, I think 2020 has got, what, like another 40 years left in it? <laughs> Bobby's found a loophole. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already subscribed, please do hit that subscribe button. We'd love to see you here this time next week.